didn't really like like hit in Germany, mm-hmm. but it was like it, it, it charted in the U.S. and right. like it was unclear if the writer was suggesting that like Kraftwerk's I some of Kraftwerk's understand ideas about like the open road and like kind of like this like a nation nation rebuilding comes from an idea of the American West, you know, right. and, the, and westward expansion. But he does definitely suggest that the ideas land with Americans and the song lands with Americans because it's like a driving open road culture mm-hmm. in a way that Germany wasn't at that point still. Right. And, um, yeah, so... I mean, like it's, Autobahn is actually too slow for driving on the Autobahn. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like it's, it's made for driving 55, that beat. <laughs> like, it's not about the breakneck, oh, my God, I'm going to die on the Autobahn. This feels totally unsafe sort of driving. There's, there's overcoming differences, which I feel like the Autobahn song does and some of the, mm-hmm. like, you know, but then there's the things that are like, it only gets its appeal because of its distortion. You know, like, right. and that feels like a little bit like when you talk about sportswear and these, yeah. and these kinds of bands where it's like, the appeal here isn't that you're actually doing something or speaking to an American audience. Is that like it's a funny funhouse mirror version of yeah. America played back to them? Because they're totally fine, but if they were like from fucking Philly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even right. thought about you, sports. You, you think that they got hit in the head or something? Yes, <laughs> you're like, do you, okay. You think we should be thanking Gatorade? What yeah. is going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they got kicked in the head by mules, and we're like, <laughs> you crew. <laughs> um, which, yeah. It, yeah, like it. So, do I still have the Sportswear Seven Inch? You damn damn right I do. <laughs> Welcome to Doc Still Death, the podcast where old punks are talking about old punk documentaries. My name is Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Zetlin. And I'm Matt Rotten. <laughs> Ooh, actually gave us your fucking last name, and it ain't your last name, <laughs> you jerk. That might be his uh, name. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've only known him forever, but I still might not really know. Uh, but that means today... And also, if you've listened to the last episode, you know what we're doing. But uh, today, we are covering... We're covering a classic. We're covering what is often referred to as uh, one of the top ten punk documentaries of all time. uh, And about uh, one of the most important punk bands ever. And we'll talk about that. But of course, we are talking about the Sex Pistols. And we watched 2000s. The Filth and the Fury, which was the sequel, basically, uh, to the great rock and roll swindle. Um, did, had either of you seen this before, Matt? I know you went to see it at Harvard. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, I did. <laughs> With lots of other sophisticated people. <laughs> Pete, had you ever seen this before? I don't think I had. Can I just say, really? hold on, hold on. This yes, is important. Yeah, please, please, please. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that I saw it with Joe. Shout out Joe and a bunch of other people from BU. Um, was I not there? I guess 2000. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. if I thought this came out earlier. but I know. It says 2000, but it feels like it was earlier. But. I thought it was like our junior year or something. But anyway, I believe we... What's that? What was the Mexican restaurant in Harvard Square uh, south of the border? Oh, um, no, but... <laughs> not south of the border border i think it was just border cafe maybe maybe okay that sounds closer 
I believe January twenty fifth, two thousand. By the way, Sundance, and then May twelfth, two thousand, the UK release. That's crazy because it's so close to the. Right. Uh, maybe I saw like maybe maybe you might have been on tour and I'm. Yeah. You didn't come, Pete. I don't think so. This must have been post graduation. Any event, I think I've got a chimichanga and then headed it over. <laughs> <laughs> Very important way to set up your belly and your life for watching the Sex Pistols. <laughs> so, Pete, you've never seen this. <laughs> I wonder if it made the viewing any better. And did you? Oh yeah, when you have to take a massive that. chimichanga dump, uh, it definitely helps out. And did you uh, replicate that for this viewing? There was Matt, no chimichangas. No chimichangas. Matt got a chimichanga and then put a rubber suit on himself, mm. uh, and then blew it up with his suits. Really? Uh, <laughs> just crapped right into the suit. Just crap right at it. You I get don't. It. I don't believe I've seen this one. Had you ever seen? Because this is the sequel to the great rock and roll swindle. Did not. I know Pete, you've seen ha- it, Matt. Have you ever heard of the Sex Pistols, Pete? Yeah. Wait a minute. That's. What I mean, that is a legit about. question. When I was re-listening for the billionth time before we started, I was like, has Pete ever really listened to Sex Pistols? N- not really. I mean, That's what much. I thought. That's what I thought. That's- Are you guys sitting down and listening to the Sex Pistols that much? Uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's a no. And Jeff? Uh, no, but I owned... I mean, I... I, it was one of the first CDs I got from Pretty record Punk. Club. Pretty Punk label. Yeah, the Record Club, baby. <laughs> yeah, got it from BMG uh, as Same. one of my like first initial 10 CDs and Same. was very psyched because I was like, ooh, they say fuck a lot on bodies. Mm. Um, I think my introduction, not to Sex Pistols, but I, I believe, I remember my brother having a mixtape that had pill on it hmm. with the song okay. Rise. Yeah. And so that was, I think, I feel like that was my introduction to Johnny Rotten. Uh, my first introduction to pill, P-I-L. I never yeah, call What are we going to go about? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. going by P-I-L. But okay, uh, thank you, was, I did not realize that was Johnny Rotten when they were on that, I don't know, Matt, do you remember that 120 Minutes tour? And it yes. was like spot, and it was Blind Melon live <laughs> and PIL. And I remember the Rolling Stone review of it, and it was like Johnny Rot, and I guess they were changed it to John Lydon at that point. Sure. And it must have been whatever that album is with the hairy tongue that I'm oh, not geez. sure I've ever really listened to that much. Sucks. Uh, I think I imagine it does, but it was like it, I remember the big thing was like Johnny Johnny Lydon was like rubbing dollar bills on his butthole and throwing them at the crowd. And especially now, you're just like, oh, God, you're still doing that then? Like, you had earned not having to do that anymore, in my mind, with PIL. And we will get into PIL and my feelings on them. Yeah. Um, uh, Save some of them, because there is a PIL documentary. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that So that is going to answer one of my things uh, later. Um, Sounded like it already did answer it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boom but, goes the... Uh, 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 <laughs> I did. I mean, I do. I will say, I you know, I, I, I feel like I have to go into it, and then I also want to give some facts on this movie. Uh, I never liked The Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Like, mm-hmm. it actively disliked it when I watched it in junior high slash high school. Hmm. Um, did you you're, like it? Your te- is that because you're Team Sex Pistols? No. I, it's because uh, I remember it making me nauseous. Because there's a certain that it had, if I remember correctly, had more of that animation in it. 
Yeah. And as a kid, uh, me and Jay from Orkin Panthers, we would watch all these things together. And we both, we never really liked Ralph Bakshi stuff, but felt mm. like, you know, when you start getting into like cult movies, you got to end up watching like Ralph Bakshi stuff. And all that stuff would make me like legit, like sick to my stomach. Yeah. The way the animation style was and the animation style in that made me really sick to my stomach combined with i remember it just being like ugh, this is like in retrospect just like too collage like yeah. it was just like i just wanted a I wanted a documentary i kind of wanted what this is more so when i was younger yeah. so i hated the great rock and roll swindle i constantly i felt swindled every time i, I fucking it. watched it sounds like more of a, a seasick stomach ache not a eating crap off the floor gg allen Make you nauseous, stomachache. Mm-hmm. Well, so let me say some stuff about Filth and the Fury. So again, this is a 2000. Uh, this is a rockumentary, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> so we are not watching a documentary. We are watching a rockumentary. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, directed by Julian Temple. Uh, Julian Temple uh, also did great rock and roll swindle. Uh, the first thing he did was a short doc called Sex Pistols Number 1, which I've never seen. Uh, that was like talking about the initial rise of the Sex Pistols. But because of that, he had piles and piles of footage that he had gotten from all this. And when he did Great Rock and Roll Swindle, uh, John Lydon didn't want to have any part of it. So Malcolm McLaren took over. And then that's why also the Great Rock and Roll Swindle just becomes the Malcolm McLaren show and kind of perpetuated the mythology that is the Sex Pistols and Malcolm McLaren uh, that is still... Uh, you know, we still have to be, you know, under the weight of it today, I think, and still under in this movie as well. Uh, he is also. Uh, wait, wait, say, say what that is, though. That's the, I just think this idea that, like, the Sex Pistols are kind of a fundamentally a boy band. Yes. Uh, put together. They're created yeah. by Malcolm McLaren. Yeah. He's the one who pushed all the ideas out of his shop sex. Yeah. Um, and uh, John Lydon fights that viciously. Um, and also, I mean, probably more, I still will lean towards that version. As we find out in this, like, I didn't know who Glenn Matlock was at all mm. uh, when I was a kid. And then when you watch this, you're like, hmm, okay. Well, so he was the uh, brains behind it all, really? You just all hated him? Uh, mm. But uh, Julian Temple also, uh, you know, he was a punker. He documented all this stuff. His career is pretty, it's uh, actually the closest He's one of the better filmmakers we have had in this, uh, and he is also the closest to uh, comedy stuff uh, hmm. for me with a lot of the things he has done, but also metal. Uh, he did – well, he did Biceps of Steel, which was this movie that had Saxon in it. Uh, oh. He did a UK subs thing. He did a Secret Policeman's Other Ball, which was like this Amnesty International, like British comedy collective thing that they would do as a benefit. Uh, he did this movie called Absolute Beginners that I remember. It was like a British musical uh, kind of punky that I would always see the box of, and I'm not sure I've ever watched. Uh, he did Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah, I didn't realize which was, that. Yeah, that's a big one. That's like one uh, that I used to watch a lot. I was a big Julie Brown fan. Uh, and I really liked uh, everything she did and early Jim Carrey. Uh, but then also he d- he ended up doing – I mean he did piles of stuff. He did the, the – uh, whatever that Joe Strummer doc is will probably have to end up doing right. at some Future point. Future is unwritten. Yes. But video-wise, he's also like – watching this too, I was like, oh, right. That's why all these videos look so familiar. He did basically like every Judas Priest video – 
living after midnight, breaking the law. Um, uh, he did heading out to the highway. He did a Jean Michael Jarre video. Gary mm. Newman. Uh, he did some Depeche everything. Mode too. Yeah, Depeche Mode did the Meaning of Love. Uh, yeah. Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come on Eileen, which looks a lot like this. Yeah. Uh, the Kinks, he's big friends with them. Rolling Stones, David Bowie. David Bowie's in one of his movies. He's in Absolute Beginners, Iggy Pop. He literally, he did like every video. Uh, yeah. Tom Petty, Free Fallen. Neil uh, Young. Neil Young, Swing Out Sister. Free, free Falling also has that kind of grainy. Yeah. Um, so like you can see his style. It comes across in there. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. So you've given us the style that we all know, actually. Yeah. Uh, those are my main, that's the main things I wanted to say about this guy. I do think that, you know, that, that visual style now is informed and kind of the collage style of this documentary is informed by looking at the rest of his work. Yeah. Um, it's nice to watch something. You're like, Oh, I, I respect this guy's, you know, oeuvre, uh, in general. Um, I feel like I want to go right away, like a gut reaction to it. Pete to you mostly right away because to me. you don't because you <laughs> don't know who the sex pistols are <laughs> you're hardly aware that there are bands uh pete did well, ask me in a text message yesterday uh, i don't know if you were on this one jeff i think he was too embarrassed he says did the big brains ever play with the sox pistols <laughs> i was like what are you talking about uh, if you haven't if you have not listened to the american hardcore episode that we did back in season one that's a reference and you should go back because there's one it's a good episode but two if you really enjoy someone misspeaking by accident one word and us hopping on it like it's nobody's business you're gonna like the way you look at the rest of this podcast <laughs> So, anyways, but you weren't familiar with the Sox Pistols. Uh, Wait, Sox, I know Sox Pistols. Sox Pasta. Uh, what was your gut reaction to watching uh, the Filth and the Fury? Uh, it was a little bit slow at first for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the 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 editing, the scenes with like the Shakespearean pieces, as well as. Malcolm McLaren, uh, apparently in a rubber suit. Uh, you think that was him in the suit? No, no. Okay, but, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, that's a question. I want to talk about that. Is, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, so I, I liked it, but I also was thinking about, and I think we come back to this question of like, who was this documentary for? Um, right. Because it felt like you, it didn't give you much if you didn't know who the Sox Postals were. Uh, <laughs> but if you didn't know who they were, I think that it might be a hard watch. I don't know how interesting it would be because you're not getting, you know, like a, I guess, a, a documentary that would be like, oh, the band started here and here's some background of who they are and why they're important. I think it was it was very much told from their perspective um, but didn't go – deep into that if you didn't know who they were wow shots fired on one of the top 10 punk documentaries to ever exist yeah i'm thinking about that like good well do you yeah do you think if you didn't know much about them if you came in and you watched this you tell us you're the one who came in knowing nothing about the Sox pistols (laughs) what do you think (laughs) i knew stuff 
But yeah, I just I don't know. I I think what is this one as like it's something we've talked about in other docs. Uh, uh, was this stuff as ingrained in you as some of the other kind of like punk stories we've heard? Because there is a bit of like yeah, watching it this time especially, I could just be like, I really need to pay attention that much. Like I know, I know all of it. Like, I've heard the story, read the book, like, you know, enough times, a billion times over at this point. Um, I mean, did you, did you feel it was the same as, like, say, American Hardcore? Uh, I mean, different than that, because, you know, you're focusing on one band. But I think, you know, I knew, so, I knew some of the story, um, so it wasn't totally foreign to me. But I think I, would, I wouldn't mind you know, knowing a bit more like pulling it back and not just from their perspective. Right. Um, It's, it is, it is, I think you're right. Pete. like, I mean, in a a certain way, first of all, one, I think you're right that you have to know who these guys are, but I think unlike some of the other movies that we've kind of raised this issue with, it's kind of hard not to know who they are, even if you yeah. like don't know much about them. They're just so ubiquitous in terms of like, I mean, anybody who reads Rolling Stones, if has, you know the word punk, yeah, you know, you know, kind of like the space they occupy. Um, but it's also interesting because, although that's true, when we are talking about them, we are. It's like it's it's. Let me say how do I say this like. It skips a lot of levels. Like on one hand, in order to see that anyone who's going to see this movie and most people who listen to music know who the Sex Pistols are, right? And if you know mm-hmm. punk, this is this is your kind of touchstone. But it jumps from this kind of like okay, everybody knows it, but it doesn't give you any kind of broader context for who they are in relationship to like British music at the time because it really is. It is kind of like uh, a, a response to and a sequel to the Great Rock and Roll Swindle. But for this movie, you're in their orbit so quickly. Like right. there's the whole like John John Lydon kind of like, oh, things were going on in the world. But it was really about like John Lydon when he was talking about like what was going on in the UK at the time and, you know, the, the garbage strike and all this stuff. But that was just like a really quick transition into getting into their orbit and getting John Lydon's perspective on how he's approaching the music in relationship to like you know Matlock and everybody else, we think like, it was John Lydon. We're not sure still. He <laughs> was in silhouette the whole time, true. so we just yeah. don't know. Yeah, but it is like you're. This is a. This is like a. It, it's 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 not like an, a, a like a socio historical or an anthropological view of this band in right. in history, like the way all ages were, and even American hardcore. It's like you're you're locked in the person interpersonal dynamics pretty quickly. Right. So if you wanted a story about the band, this is what you're in for. If you wanted a greater understanding of the band, in terms of like musical history. This isn't the movie. I think that's maybe what, yeah. another way of saying it. Like, no, no, yeah, I think yeah. because like think little, we only like, got a quick barrage of like you got to understand what was happening at the time. Yeah, you really got very little of that. Like, you know, but I, I guess like, in a weird way too, it this is like the first one, and I'd actually be interested in relation to the Ramones one and thinking in this terms, but it doesn't apply completely. But like, it is where it's like the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols are ubiquitous. So everyone knows enough about them. But also, it's only until right now that I didn't consider it like it is a sequel. Like, it is legitimately a sequel. Like, it's going off of 
a concept of yeah here's the answer to a movie you we've already done uh which this is the first sequel documentary we have it's seen, almost like a so. reboot more than a sequel it's this, right? evil like, dead, this is evil dead 2 to evil dead 1 right like it's like and and is it the better version yes yeah <laughs> like, yeah no for sure um uh yeah it is kind of the re- i mean because it it exists as the answer to but there is a weirdness i guess like it's 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 an answer to a movie that maybe you haven't seen. Yeah. Like but it stands on its own. Well, it does, I think. Like and I think that's where the ubiquitousness of the Sex Pistols just existing. Like that at the very least you have heard Anarchy in the UK. Yeah. And maybe God save the Queen. And but there's like that, why does he pronounce it anti-anarchist? Uh, yeah. Is that that was Sox Pistols songs? Yeah, yeah, that's the Sox Pistols. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it was a big brain. No, 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 no. I think it's on a, it's like on a Kraft mac and cheese commercial. I think they used it once. You probably heard of that. <laughs> but, you know, it is a sequel. You don't – so you, you don't need to have – to know the great rock and roll swindle for the impetus for this one. But you do feel like there are – I mean we'll come back to this. But there are moments where like it's clear that the telling of this is in response – in many in many points, especially whenever John Lydon talks to McLaren, McLaren's fame framing of who they are. <laughs> the Sox Postals were managed by Mal Club McLaren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a mushmouth episode, um, but I do feel like, and again, we'll come back to this. I wish they said more about the relationship between McLaren and Lydon, and why if. McLaren really was being such a dick to Lydon the entire time. Why? Because we get the, it happened. We don't get the why. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that is even, I guess like going off of like thinking in terms of like other docs we watched, I felt like maybe I let that slide beyond the story. Like where of course it would work better for the story, but I was just like, I, there's a wall. Like, you know, you're only getting so much out of John Lydon that's going to speak about Malcolm McLaren. And also that is going to speak about him not as, even though he's calling himself John Lydon, the Johnny Rotten character. Yeah. Like, he is, and, 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 and you also have the weirdness of uh, Steve Jones still just being like, he's my friend. I don't know. He's my mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. Like, and so you have, like, the, like... It is. It's like when we've had other ones where it's like, oh, why didn't you know they talk about this person more in a doc? And it's like, well, they just didn't want to be involved, or they there was only so much we could get out of them, which I get is a limitation that I think I'm only like watching so many of these now. I've like considering because um, yeah, like you, I mean, you you are left wanting for that. You want um, even you though the, you even though this motivations. is the, even though this is the real, this is like more of like, this is, and it does come across as the more kind of real version of the Sex Pistols. And this is more of the real story. You are still getting it through the lens of, at the very least, one master manipulator. Yeah. Like, who is Johnny Rotten. And right. and I know I he is John Lydon, but in these cases, that's when he's Johnny Rotten. And before, the first one was the master manipulating of Malcolm McLaren. That was his job. He was a marketer. Like, he, he was a bullshit artist. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnny Rotten has had such a, you know, created this character around himself. 
uh, and it's it it it's not a hundred percent like that. I you know we'll probably get into it a bit, but like one of the things I like the most about this movie is you do actually see human shit coming yeah. across. Like yeah. Sid Vicious it, goes beyond the cartoon character through Johnny Rotten, which is a great moment because it's like okay, I get you now more. But we'll get into that later. But like. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that I, I it is int- you you are left still wanting you're still left wanting more of what the fuck is the Sex Pistols story, which is insane that we have like so much documentation on the Sex Pistols story, but it is also why the Sex Pistols are so uh important still to this day is they did create this like almost impenetrable mythology around themselves. And also, again, around a fucking, like, what, 12-song record? Right. Like, one record. Like, you know, one record that I was listening to before we started. My wife was just like, is there something about the Sex Pistols that has always just sounded, like, immature to, <laughs> like, child child music? And she's like, I guess it's just a lot of punk of that era to me. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. Um I think that's uh, she, kind of the appeal a little bit, right? Yeah, like, I do think like that is it. But she's like, it just always seems so funny that it's supposed to be the Sex Pistols. Oh, They're yeah. the most fucked up band ever. And then you hear it and it's just like, and you're like, yeah, I know. It's weird. Basically just like garage rock riffs, but they're good. Yeah. Um, but again, th- I mean, that is the other part too, is acknowledging uh, that it is a band based around one record. Like, um, and it goes to uh, something also that comes out of this, like Pete, when you before were like, do you really sit around listening to Sex Pistols? Like, no, not really. Like, I, I, am hard pressed to believe people who say they like listen to them consistently or their their favorite band, just because I'm like, really, one you know, record, uh, like just one, that's it. That you've decided your favorite band is twelve songs, <laughs> like, and half of them are like pretty okay. Like, some of them are great, and others are fine. Like, get the job done. So Um, let me me ask you this. Please. So you said, people don't think this is, you know, a record that they listen to or what have you, or, you know, sit around listening to. I'm going to give you five albums. Yeah. Um, Including uh, Nevermind the Sex Pistols. And you tell me. Uh, the Bullocks? Jesus, yeah. Pat. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, call, I also just called you Pat. Bomb. I called you Pat. <laughs> That's how <laughs> mushy this episode is. My good friend of over 20 years, and I called you Pat. <laughs> Go on. Molly, Molly called me Mike the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going good for everyone. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, she was trying to say... She was, trying to, <laughs> she was trying to say Matt's going to take a bike ride. She's like, Mike's going to take a bike. Who the fuck is Mike? Um, this is how I find out. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to tell you five records, including um, including never mind, never mind the Bollocks Sex Pistols records. And uh, you tell me who's five. These are who for whom these are the five most important records. Okay. Okay. I love this already because I. I got a feeling where this is going, but let, just let's do horses. Horses. Patty Smith. Oh my god. Ramones. Self-titled. <laughs> Sex Pistols. Never mind the bollocks. Marquee Moon. Television. And uh, of course, Man a Warrior by Taperzuki. Uh, it's a reggae record that was put out on Patty Smith and Lenny Kay's record label in like '81 or something like that. 
I mean, I want to say. <laughs> Jeff, you want to say it? I mean, I want to, well, I want to say Flea or the Keeds. Nope. I'm going, I'm going Thurston, full on Thurston. Those are, those are Thurston Moore's, the five most important records to him. Oh my god! I completely forgot what we're doing. This is- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It kills me. Going. No, I, I thought the, I would the minute have, I, I mean, said Patty Smith, you had to like. I well, like, I how for, could, it's just I for, and that's why all of those were like shocking to me. But also, like, ugh, that is so Thurston. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I I'm hard pressed to anyone who's really is just like God, horses is really like I do spin it on the rig. Uh, I mean, but he Marky, doesn't like me. I don't. Yeah, Marky, my Marky Moon is amazing. That's the one I'll give. That's the one I'm in there. So like, I, I, I don't but listen like, to. The, I guess those are stock answers. Like I mean, like could you have more? Like, like be more interesting. The guy who swears he's interesting. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Of course, but at the same time, is part of his interest. What, you're is, shitting on your friend the swan on swans. Like get out of here, please. Yeah. Like, part of his whole interesting thing is that he like is like. You know, like he's Basic. a gatekeeper, arbit- <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, actually, like, he's like this gatekeeper for, like, people who don't know what the hell's going on. Um, he's got to babble to us for hours on end about how we got to listen to Buy by the Contortions, and then all of a sudden, he's like, but also, really, you should listen to Sex Pistols. Go down to the John Varvato store, fucking <laughs> like, <laughs> pick it up, brah. So can I read you what he says about, before we move along, just read Please. you what he says about Nevermind the Bollocks? Acid rain of hate fuck comes down yeah. on you <laughs> <laughs> never mind the bollocks it's just impeccable the thing about the group was that they were <laughs> this exploited sound but when the record came out every song was like just incredible so the thing about all these brit rock records is that the songwriting was amazing <laughs> I'm still working on it. Yeah, but, that was uh, pretty good, though. I'm like, <laughs> surprised, actually, how good your Thurston was. That I, yeah. I would have picked it. I would have known what it was doing. I mean, here is the thing. I'll give Thurston. Is Thirsty Thurston. Thirsty Thurston over there just wants to be loved. Uh, I will say, like, watching this, in general, for a long time, I would put the Sex Pistols in... Uh, extra hardcore the version I said before where it was just like are you kidding me you really listen to the Sex Pistols and you're not beyond 15 like like you didn't grow out of that one like how many times are you going to spin the same record over and over and over again watching this movie this time I was like oh right and you know to give Thurston a bone I was like these are very good songs like yeah yeah I was I just say the reaction very up. fucking good and and it, uh, they have uh, more interesting ideas sometimes mm-hmm. going on than they they yeah. give themselves credit for than Steve Jones gives himself credit for or Glenn Matlock um, I mean the beginning of Pretty Vacant is a fucking great intro yeah uh, uh, Bodies is a fucking really weird song <laughs> like. Uh, the kind of change-ups in it. Uh, there's that one, like, atonal beginning. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't ever really need to listen to Anarchy in the UK ever again, but God Save the Queen is a pretty good song. Right. Uh, EMI is silly, like, and that's an interesting conversation of just, like, 
why did we ever get into conversations about selling out? Like, this is a song about being angry at one major label as you sign to a different major label. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> like, different strokes, and you're on Virgin. The Sex Pistols before this, and I don't think I'll listen to them still that often, fell into the category of the punk version of the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Etc. Where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I've, I have we, isn't it just in your head already? Like right. it's background music. You don't need to hear it anymore. Or there's various things that get attached to it where it'd be like, oh, pretty vacant. It's hard to not picture the vacant lot, which was a sketch show that I really loved and they used it as the theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, for the first time, this was where I was like, oh, right. They're really good. I think also because this is the first time I'm watching it post. Being really into PIL to go back to PIL. So now it's just hmm. like, what a weird, interesting trajectory. How should we talk about this? Maybe we'll say a few things about just the presentation. You, you mentioned it a little bit, Jeff, when you talked about Julian Temple's style. Mm-hmm. But like it is, it is like a, it's, it's not entirely a talking head movie for, for, you know, to its credit. Reasons. Yeah. But it's, yeah. But it, it's filled with talking heads of all the living sex pistols. Mm-hmm. Um, and in silhouette. We don't see them. Si- yeah, they're backlit. And I, Clearly back. an aesthetic choice, but... Yeah. And that's interspersed with archival interviews and, like, oh, again, footage that um, came from Great Rock and Roll Swindle and other Julian Temple projects. Yeah, because they had leftover stuff from that, too. Yeah, and in animation and and which is an interesting part. Like I was, I was trying to think of what one we watched where we were like, "Why the fuck do they keep showing us the same footage over and over again?" And we like realized that it was like, "Oh, they just don't have that much footage." Yeah, there is kind of Everyone? something incredible. Yeah, most of them, <laughs> like where it's like they've got the footage. Like he was there. Like he documented yeah. all of it, and so you're able to uh, not have a repetition. It'll be like, yeah. oh, yeah, when we want to talk about the section where they were doing covers, like, you know, mostly 70s classic rock, uh, uh, I've got it. Like, and you'd be like, oh, it's weird that they found a way to match it, the music to the, the footage, like, and it almost looks like Johnny Rotten singing it. And so it's like, no, no, it, 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 we've got it. Like, you know, right. you need a cover of fucking Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers. Like, we're going to do it, and it's going to sound really good. The covers it, it are made good, it, by the way. Yeah. It made it flow. Like, I mean, it made the movie kind of feel more robust. Not more robust. It added to the robustness of the movie that, like, mm-hmm. that all of the archival footage was – every scene was new or every every piece of it was – like, you can, you can tell a story about their time on the boat during the Queen's Jubilee with, without repeating the same, like – bad footage because he was there filming all of that stuff and it just it made the story about them being on that boat at that time um just feel denser and and richer you know and they were fodder for all that like tabloid stuff anyways the sun page six stuff like so it's like it's covered like you need the bill gundy stuff or whatever like that's on tv like you know uh they outrage from the moral majority over there the equivalent of uh, is documented and on television, which is interesting right. as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all like, but I think that's all true, and I agree. Mm-hmm. I, but would you say, and I, I think that the meat of the movie, the spine of the movie, is 
are the and are are these head talking headshots? Like, I mean, they propel the narrative. Like, the narrative is propelled through the talking heads, and the narrative is basically their band. They hung out with at Malcolm McCarthy. You know, like basically the beginning of the narrative. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Is they hung out at McLaren's sex shop, but mm-hmm. McLaren didn't make the band. Yes, it's like it's not really clear. It's basically like, like there was a hell vet. If we're going yeah. Norwegian black metal, but and or honestly, in hardcore terms in Connecticut, like we had a skate shop called Fifth Dimension that was owned by like a hardcore dude. So it's just like people just kind of hung out. Like I would just yeah. go there, just hang out, and I'd be like, "Oh, there's Jamie from Hatebreed, just like just coming by to fucking sell under the knife demos," because he was friend with Dave Duncan. And then you'd be like, "Oh, let's do this show and whatever." Uh, yeah, that I mean that makes sense. Like Malcolm at a store, it was called Sex. People liked it. They thought it was a laugh. Like, it seemed like one of those stores that still exists where you're like, you don't sell anything, do you? Like, you just exist as a weird art project, like, tax write-off. And Steve Jones became friends with Malcolm, and then they met this weird guy who had bug-out eyes. uh, And that was Johnny Rotten, because he had meningitis, and was in a coma for a year, and his eyes are, like, he needs a lot of light in his eyes. That's why they're always bugged out. Uh, And Steve Jones and Paul Cook had a rough life, and then they met Glenn. And Glenn was like, I can write your songs. Like, basically, it seems like. Uh, I mean, that's the interesting part, too, is like the mythology isn't. The mythology is so important to the Sex Pistols because if you break it down, it's just like any other band. You know? It's just like, yeah, I don't know. We're a bunch of guys hanging out and like thought it'd be a good laugh to play guitar. And then I was like, oh, I'm pretty okay at this. Right. Like, it's kind of Steve Jones thing. And, like, the basic that we hear a billion times, like, all you need is three chords. Uh, you know, Paul Cook was never the greatest drummer. Um, and and they were living in reaction to... It's always the part that has come up in these. Like, they're living in reaction to, like, the Roxy Music and Alice Cooper of the worlds. And yeah. it is always hard for me because, like, they show that footage of Roxy Music. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> They are just, like, the greatest bands ever. <laughs> like, that era of Roxy music is so awesome, and it looks so cool. And then when they'll be complaining about, like, ugh, ELP and Gong, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> but they didn't complain about, about Roxy crazy music. They, no, they I don't did. complain about Roxy yeah. music. It's more of, like, that's, like, what is kind of pushing, and they're going a different way. I mean, they're, you right. know, going, they're, Roxy is, like, weird glam, super clean. I mean, right. I appreciate that Mark Bolin like respected them like from right. t-rex yeah that was pretty cool um that, it's more of it, the pro whenever they react against the prog stuff right. um uh you know it's always just like especially when it is johnny rotten i'm like always like i know that that's part of the story is that he does actually like crop rock and prog stuff it's all yeah, a fucking what- show yeah, it's, but it's it's kind of like he, he liked it enough to know that kind of like he, that was not a, a kind of a line of flight that he could add to. Like it kind right. of run its course. It yeah. was like a reset, you know? Yeah. Um, Which so is a big sense. thing. If you're like beyond like that, you're like, oh, uh, I, I want to fight this. I don't like this. There's also, especially in the 70s when these bands are huge, you got to have that realization. I'm just like, I'm not going to play like Rick Wakeman. Like, I can't pull off what Steve Howe is pulling off in Yes. So I'm going to lean into the three-chord thing. Like, you know. It's It's a smart choice. It's a smart choice. Yeah, you got to know your limitations. I mean, Jesus, please. Uh, Yeah. 
so it, so but then it goes like you know they started a band and then they were kind of like it basically just focuses on like them being quote unquote nasty you know and like the the foibles and all this stuff but then uh, you know of of them on the on the TV show and then of them getting kicked off the label of EMI, yeah. off of VMI but then like a lot of time is spent on Sid Vicious um, and his downward trajectory, right? Like, yeah, is that the majority of the movie? Well, or the, is that the, not the majority? Is that is? I think uh, it's a, it might be a split of sort of like, uh, or maybe not a split, but I think there's definitely like, how did the band get together? Mm-hmm. Malcolm's position in the band, uh, and then I would say, yeah, Sid Vicious. Right. Yeah, I think it was yeah, like a half and half. I mean, it's hard, I think, because uh, maybe, honestly, it's partly be- just like in in the history of it. Like, once Sid comes in, he just kind of takes over. Like, and, yeah. and that's the other part of uh, if you're like, oh, I, I, the Sex Pistols are one of my favorite bands. I do have a bit of just like, you li- but you, you liked Sid Vicious? Like, you liked all that shit? Like, that's like the corniest part of... The yeah. Sex Pistols. I it, I can only appreciate it now and watching it of like, oh, because Johnny Rott was friends with him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and like truly was like, I want to keep an eye on him. <laughs> like, right. like, that's the only part that I was like, okay, great. But like, it, you know, like I, uh, Sid Vicious was the worst part of the Sex Pistols. Like, it's just like he's the worst part of punk, like my version of what I like about punk. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's really like, yeah, he didn't know how to play his bass. He just wanted to kind of fight people and get, get fucked up. Um, Sid and Nancy's story is like the saddest thing in the world. Um, uh, and, and it's, it, you know, really embracing the the kind of like the look and the, the, the kind of posture. The posture mm-hmm. that's anger for no, or punk for no particular reason. Yeah. Where it's just like, no, I think like, yeah, Johnny Johnny Rotten like had it kind of like figured out more so. Like if you're leaning into that, just like his version of the world makes more sense. Right? You know, Sid is just kind of a sad case study. Yeah, which is what sure. people love about him. It has a Gigi Allen vibe to it. Uh, has a very Gigi Allen vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think Johnny Rotten comes off as I don't know if smart's the right word, but uh, you can yeah, say I mean, pe- I think what that. You can say it. You know, I think he had a plan. You I think mean, Johnny Roger from the Sox Pistols is really smart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I came away from this movie with a better feeling of who he is um, as a person. Like, I think my – what I knew about him was just kind of like brash and a character. And I was just like, I don't want to deal with this, like – I yeah. he's just too out there and aggressive mm-hmm. and there was there was definitely like a human element to him in this so I was kind of like okay you know like I don't know that I want to pick up uh, the Sex Pistols and listen to him all the time or deal with him uh, right. but he definitely came across as more human and I think with you know like what you were saying Jeff like when he's talking about he had some quote where it was sort of uh, what do you say you know, being able to take on England, but he couldn't take on one heroin addict. And it was yeah. kind of, you know, and he's crying at one point. Um, yeah. It was just kind of like, 
Okay, like he he has feelings. He's not just like an asshole all the time. It gives a re well because it's like Steve Jones describes him as being because I was like I wrote to myself like he was a good frontman. There's just no getting around it. Like yeah, he's an excellent frontman. He's a fantastic frontman. And so when he, he's like, I thought he was a wanker for taking the piss. Like you're just like yeah, like that's why like he's the guy that you would never be comfortable with. Like mm-hmm. he's the guy like and I've certainly can think of friends, roommates I've had that are like that. That's just like I why am I always on edge uh with you? And that's how he feels. But that him talking about Sid and him talking about how he was basically just like trying to keep him alive and what you said, that he's tra- he could take on England, he just couldn't fucking protect his friend. Uh it's the first time in the Johnny Rotten mythology that you're like Okay, man, I get it now. Like, I get why you have all your walls. I get why your walls went up stronger. I get why you are more of a caricature of yourself. It's his Joe Cole with Rollins. Sort of I wouldn't say why they come up, but why he... As a grown man, he doesn't put them down, you yes. know, because like, well, th- that's, I guess like in my mind, it's that they got higher, like that yeah. he had them as a defense mechanism because clearly he was uncomfortable. And I appreciate that from Steve Jones, where he was just like, yeah, I don't know. I was insecure. Like, like he just yeah. is stating that. And I'm like, good for you, man. You did therapy. He seemed very, he seemed very self-aware Yes, for a guy who's he, for like a guy in some of the talking head scenes, Steve Jones is like bragging about the blowjobs he gets in bathrooms right. of, of, of like dirty clubs. But then he comes out and he seems like very self-aware, self-contained. And it's, it's a, it's a kind of very uncomfortable, uh, you know, kind of yeah. coupling. Yes. Um, but, but the thing that you guys are talking about, like, let's like, it is, it is potentially the most memorable scene from this movie, right? It's where mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's John Lydon backlit in his like Pasadena or wherever he is, uh, house. God, I wish um, I'd go hang out with him right now, baby. I think he is right. Like he's somewhere, he in, he's, he's somewhere in the LA area. It might be, um, I'll look him up. Yeah. Towards the end of where they're talking about Sid Vicious's trajectory and his death. And it's actually not clear in the, in when, John Lydon's talking about it, what he's referring to. Right. But he's like, it's like, oh, they did this, they did this. We don't know who the they, and is Malcolm mm-hmm. McLaren is the they at some point. Mm-hmm. The newspaper is the they at some point. But then he starts being very like unspecific about a they and about what they did to his memory. And he's basically, he's basically just talking about how he was like, after, he was, after Sid Vicious's death, he was run through some ringer. Right. You know, right? It's after his death, I think they're talking about. I think so. And he starts, he starts getting kind of like, you know, like emotional. He starts getting choked up. And I thought the most kind of intense part was when he said, like, can you believe they did that to him, Julian? Like, so it's like he's no longer be like, it's almost like he's having, con- it, it, it works really effectively. He's no yeah. longer having a conversation. Um, he's no longer being filmed. He's actually having a conversation with Julian Temple, who, as you know, we talked about earlier, is someone he's known for 30 some odd years at this point. Right. And it's like, it's just the kind of conversation that we're overhearing rather than one that's being put forward for us. And it feels very personal. Um, It's almost to me like when there is a real moment in like early Wes Anderson movies. Mm. And it's like, it's like the weight of the artifice is so strong. And just like in this, it's like, you've got the weight of like, he is talking in silhouette. We are never seeing what he looks like now. And right. when we see him, it is like we're listening to a caricature through a shadow of just like, you know, 
and then I tell them, fuck off, because I'm Johnny Rotten. And then, yeah, you have this moment where all of a sudden it's just like, I lost my friend, Julian, right? (laughs) Like, that was fucked. And you're like, oh, you forgot that Mm. you had to, in the weight of this artifact, and in in the hiding, but also kind of like using as a tool of just like, what we're looking at is the past footage. All you're getting is our information, but it doesn't matter who we are now. We're talking about the past. That's why we're in the shadows or whatever the artistic logic is. It is that nice human moment where you're just like, oh, right, we've, we've... we have dealt with, what, 30 to 40 years, whatever it is, of mythologizing. Not just by them, but just by the whole world. Like, right. constantly doing the fucking ransom note font. And, you know, uh, reappropriating over and over the basic art for, again, a 12-song record. Uh, and for the first time, you do have at least, like, of just like, oh, we finally, even though he's John Lydon, we're finally seeing John Lydon, like, talk. Like, for the first time, like you said, to his friend. And you're like, that's, it is kind of uh, heartbreaking. Because yeah. it's, it's like, a, okay. It's a touching scene. Yeah, we all get that. Like, it's, that's, yeah. you know, that, and, and it, 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 it gives, it's the moment that after all these years, because that's something we always talk about, too, is the fucking, uh, uh, we have our own mythologizing. I mean, we've got our, you know our fucking Ian's and our Rollins and all of these like characters we basically are talking about in all these things. Uh, and in this case, we've got the Johnny Rot, but we kind of almost forget that they're, you know, human beings. Like, and it's the first moment of just like, Oh, right. Cool. Good to know. Well, he uh, just seems, a, yeah. He just seems, I, I'd imagine being in a band with him is exhausting. Sure. You know, because it's just, he seems like a loose cannon. You never know what's going to happen. And then you put Sid Vicious in. It's just got to be like, oh, this is right. I mean, I don't blame those guys to be like, you know, we're going to go with Malcolm uh, yeah. because this just right. feels like a lot. Yeah. I mean, if I had to choose, <laughs> I'd choose <laughs> Malcolm. I mean, I bet you Malcolm would play bass better than Sid Vicious could. Uh, uh, and yeah, I mean, I also get. Uh, playing music with like where you're like, Glenn Matlock is maybe writing everything good, but God, we hate him. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like, I mean, there, there was like a, that was another like kind of truth level kind of coming across that was also beyond the mythology because also we're for the first time in my mind really not just kind of talking about oh the fifth sixth Sex Pistol but just being like no no Glenn Matlock is was like a main member. Yeah, key. Yeah, he's a key member to these songs that are this classic record, but also a bit of a wanker. Like, just (laughs) kind of sucked. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, yeah, man, I've been there too. Like, I get that. (laughs) Like, we're like, we play good music together, but I'm going to murder you if I'm in a van with you any longer. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, I mean, I, again, I think we all get that. It's just like that was like one of those few human moments popping through. Again, a movie that has a lot of artifice. So, you know, again, it, it's cutting, it's intercutting with that uh, very Shakespearean footage of Shakespeare. Um, yeah. I like when they did the voice dub over of like, I knew Wally. <laughs> yeah. it's like, That's weird. <laughs> It wasn't clear. Why was they never like? I mean, it, one of the things. So like, we talk about the artifice. Like, Glenn Matlock. Like, 
there was clearly beef between him and Johnny and Johnny Rotten. Yeah. And it's like unclear what that was and if they kicked him out. I got something gave me the impression they kicked him out. Maybe it's just because who they replaced him with because he was he didn't you know, it's like J- Steve Jones looks like a normal dude in the beginning. And then all of a sudden there's that scene right after they kick Glenn Matlock out where he's wearing the knit see-through shirt and he's got the towel the um bandana that looks like right. you know like a the gumby like 18th century you know woman doing her laundry mm-hmm. and it's like did they kick this guy out not only because he kind of i mean the excuse was he washed his feet after he got back to the hotel yeah um, remember yeah it's like did he just like not fit the image though yes i think that's part of it and that is the weirdness I wonder if it was – it's hard to piece – I mean, that's part of the Sex Pistols thing is you have to, like, piece through the mythology again and be like, what part of this is actual truth? And it's like, is it a 50-50 of – Malcolm was kind of guiding them of, like, you need this image, like, I'm your manager, and can't fucking stand this guy. <laughs> like, he's right. driving us nuts. Um, I mean, I guess, again, that's, like, the other part that, like, I can get, like, of just, like – just having different ideas of how to exist in a small space when you're touring. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about before when I was just like, I, I, at least one band, I would have like one member be like, you're bringing a shirt for every single day on tour. And like, it's like, I was like, why are we having this argument? Like, and it was like this, it was like almost like, wait, are you questioning my like punkness or something (laughs) by the fact that like, no, I have the ability to change my shirt every day. I don't want to smell. Like, am I fucking Glenn Matlock in this situation? <laughs> like, but, you might be. Yeah, I think I might have been, <laughs> honestly. Because uh, I was like, I would go out. I, I, when they said that about him, I was just like, I'm on Glenn's side, baby. Like, I want to find that shower every fucking tour date. Right. Like, Jesus. Right. Like, I, I was not. I was trying my best to not go a day without a shower. Um, but yeah, I do think it's a. Uh, I, I do think it's a mix of uh, he didn't fit the image and he was just fucking annoying. And they also were young enough, uh, and had young enough, and also seemingly had like enough power because they were getting enough like press to make uh, make kind of dumb decisions. Like they weren't thinking about the band and the longevity of the band. They were just like, this isn't fun with yeah. this guy. We right. want it to be fun. Uh, but also, the fun, the not fun guy might have made it that they lasted longer. They might have yeah. put out a second record or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird... Uh, it, it, it Again, it is so odd when it's just like, I think he wrote everything good, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking about like what else we should talk about with this movie. I think another thing that maybe doesn't look good for them, but um, complicates them in, in a way that makes you want to listen to them, is John Lydon's defense of his assertion that the God Save the Queen, it is not an anti-royal, um, royal, uh, royal. It's, he's, he's not not a royalist. He is actually a royalist. And it was uh, meant to be a pro it's not written song. because you hate the English, but because you love them and hate that they are being mistreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you love the Queen. Like mm-hmm. you, like it, it, it was that was not tongue in cheek, right? Um, which is a really kind of wild. I don't think I picked up on that when I, or I definitely don't remember it from the first time I saw it, right? Um, 
And I mean, it's weird because it makes sense like where John Lydon shows up now mm-hmm. in 2021 where he's like a Trump supporter. Right. right. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It, you can, I believe, square that circle of anarchy in the UK, God save the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an easy circle to square. And I think it makes, it makes, again, it's like one of those air like levels where like the complications make it a little more interesting of a band and make the movie interesting. Um, well, I think it's, it's also, I mean, I guess they were having issues with it then too, but it's like, uh, like a song like bodies like being like a like where people would be like it's an anti-abortion song and then his answer is like not he's like no it's not but it's also not pro like it's like it's just a story i'm telling like about a girl like like a drug addict who showed up at my door or whatever his like kind of answer and there is something of like he both is um I don't know. It does make sense because he's like he's the he's the kind of consistent instigator, like you know, like yeah. that is his personality. Like it's not like, um, uh, uh, it's the it's the um, dude from Amoebics, like just being like just like oh, I mean we're punks, so we should read everything, especially this guy who's talking about how the Holocaust didn't happen. And yeah. you're like, all right, well, I mean, like, use your punkness, like, in the right way. Like, it doesn't, like, yeah. don't be a dumbass. Well, the rules, I think, for, I mean, the rules for John Lydon seem to be, like you said, instigation. Right. Or another way of putting it would be, like, like, like an aesthetic of violence or disruption. Right. You know, because he doesn't really. Because if you have that personnel, then, of course, you're going to be like, I like Trump. He's a bit of a rabble rouser. Yeah. And you're totally like, like, Ugh, like, okay, I mean, but also. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> well, that's also that's, the kind of... Uh, I was going to say, I think that's... We keep going back to that scene, but I think that's why that scene feels so powerful because he's always... It's hard to know. Like, he's always seems to be pushing buttons and where does he actually stand? You know, you think you watch that Bill Grundy interview, you know, and he's just kind of being provocative and that's just sort of like... that's That was always my impression with him. It's like he's always provocative and it's hard to know is that really what he where he stands or not but he's also one of the i think it it, yeah i think but i think maybe that's the thing is his stance is just being provocative yeah exactly which that's his political like that's his political point of view like like because he said all that stuff in the beginning like i always love to talk i always love the kind of like it's not that you had to be there at the time thing, because that to me, when when you make that joke, Jeff, that's always about like, yeah, I understand what was going on with right. the music, but like maybe, but I like the the socio historical where the band gives you this like there was a garbage strike, there mm-hmm. were people doing this, there was a you know so on and so forth. Um, what we were psyched and, about in the beginning of punk in Africa. Yeah, so there's a version of that here. It's it's mm-hmm. it's pretty well done. But because you're also weeding through, not to interrupt, but just like yeah, yeah, that, it's part of what we were talking about at the beginning. That uh, it's it's the foreignness of it, where you're, you know, like even in this, like this is about the Sex Pistols, and you're getting barraged with like British references that you don't know, right? Where they're just like we were just being like comedians, like Wiggly Woggle and 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 Tommy <laughs> yeah. Tommy Begiggle, like we've all yeah. grown up on Tommy Begiggle. <laughs> And you're just yeah. like, who the fuck is this guy? And they're like, oh, you showed me footage of him. I definitely know who that is. Wait, what? Like, yeah. I don't know who that is. And so you're like, okay, so I'm watching a reaction to a thing that I have no idea about. Uh, yeah. 
which again plays into like things we don't know in uh like craft work responding to that like traditional German music yeah. that has a specific name that I can never remember and you hear and you're like, I don't know anything about that. I didn't know that this is like something that I would have a reaction to. And not that right. I should because I didn't grow up in Germany. But yeah, like there is that interest that comes across some of those. Uh, right. Uh, uh, just like, well, okay, yeah, you're reacting to this thing. But sorry, go on. Well, no, that was the whole like, yeah, they, they, they're like, they don't take themselves, the point of that was they don't take them to, themselves too seriously. Right, like Johnny um, Big Eagles. Yeah. Um, but the thing that like, which was a little different, which is more like Punk in Africa for the Sex Pistols movie was like, when it's just like, oh, there's all this shit going on in the world, mm-hmm. right? And um, in the as a, as a point of contrast, when we talked about Punk in Africa, which um, is our lowest watched episode, which is also one of our best episodes. So if you're listening to this one, you should probably go watch it, listen to that one also. Definitely. Um, and that's also plugging it because it's his pick. So there's a, you know, <laughs> some, you is know. my pick? Um, and then, <laughs> oh, is that me? No, that was, okay. <laughs> but in that one, we talked about this where it was all this shit was fucked up and we just wanted to play music, you know, and the music sometimes took on the themes that we were dealing with where what John Lydon says here is like all this shit was going on in, in England before the sex pistols came up. And like it, he, he gives that language that becomes a very like kind of like a, a staple of punk of young punk, which is this was our, not only our reaction, but this was our solution. This was our intervention, like forming the sex pistols. Mm-hmm. And, and it has that kind of like juvenile air of like our band's going to change the world. Um, but it, but back to what Pete was saying before, it's like, you don't know where he stands. No, where he stands is there. Like, because it's like, okay, here we are. Um, I see all these problems. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a band that is, that's just kind of like making noise. I'm, 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 I'm going to just be kind of like a, a thorn in your side. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point. Of his, that's the point for him at that point. The way he describes it, like the Sex Pistols, where it's just like, we're going to make a lot of noise and clamor. Because he keeps talking about his culture and the culture that the Sex Pistols represent. Right. And he doesn't really have any content to that other than just being disruptive. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm not like... Yeah, yeah. You know, like... But that's who they are artistically. And back to Pete's point. But what makes that scene where he's crying so powerful is because ultimately having a culture about disruption is kind of bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's, it's like the Jason, it's the Bateman thing. It's like totally antisocial behavior. But what he shows in that scene is a very human, is very, it's maybe his views on, on art and, and society are a little kind of like selfish and right. narcissistic and juvenile. But he does nevertheless show that he can have like a deep connection to an individual human being. Yes. And that because of that deep connection being taken from him, he might have even gone even further down that yeah. path. Well, it, I mean, there is something very reaction. It's very reactionary and very injured about that whole like, oh, the world's bad. Let me just keep saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, it's very clear that like, not very clear. It's very... It's it's very in keeping with what we know that this is a guy who lost a year of his life right. through you know through meningitis. It's just like it's re, it's this kind of like traumatic reaction to like everything about his personality feels like a tra- a response to trauma. Yeah, I'm like forgetting about that 
PTSD that he yeah. is also yeah, someone who suffers point. from is a year of losing. So that's when you get fuck this and fuck that. Fuck it, all the fuckers, fucking yeah. brat. Um, yeah, I mean, and and yeah, not too bad. You know? um, uh, but yeah, it's also uh, it's hard when you're like, I know that personality. That personality gets exhausting. Like you can kind of, and you see through it. Too oh, he exhausts himself, right? right? That's the whole fucking I mean, because also, like, I don't know if you noticed what, that you're like, there was one point where I was like, you're workshopping these lines, man. Like, as like, we all know when the he, like, you have a, you have a feel like you've been cheated. Oh, he, he says, a, he says a version of that earlier yeah. in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and it, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oh, that wasn't just like a spur of that. Like, you've been trying to find the lines that like, you know. Uh, yeah. you can kind of stick it to people um you're playing the game too i mean that's the other part too is like it's hard to not have that in my mind where it's like it's this reactionary personality that's saying fuck you fuck you fuck you uh uh and uh in a world where that is actually the craziest thing you could say. Like i mean like the 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 fact that that tv show the bill grundy show is anything at this point, like, you know, at the world we live in, this world we live in, you know, we've lost all of our morals. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden I go on a fucking QAnon rant for 20 minutes. I didn't have any, that was, I was trying to do a Ben Shapiro. Like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> If we have the, um, but like you know, if, if so, you're reacting, uh, uh, and it, you know, in a world where all you have to say is "fuck" to make the fucking like basically moral majority people say we need to destroy them, like that one yeah. guy who's a representative of the government who's literally like we and need so. to kill them, <laughs> like take them completely. I was like, wow, okay, that's another level. But uh, there is no getting around too. That's like. They, he's at least somewhat aware that they are fodder for the tabloids. Like he's, it's not just a fuck you to no one. Like it's, and it's not a fuck you in a uh, peace punky crass sort of way. Like this is like it, it's, it's, uh, it's. I don't know. Pick anyone, Kim Kardashian, like level. Like it's just like any sort of just like. I'm sure a lot of people knew the Sex Pistols just as just like the people who are famous for being famous like and so it's like play yeah. and it's so there is a bit of just like yeah it's hard to get around that man that you were just kind of playing the game like you know like yep. uh, uh and i guess it, I, I they may be allude or am i forgetting that do they allude to that he kind of started shutting up or they weren't talking to the press so there i'll give that but it's like they haven't i guess like at one point i was like man they had a lot of publicity events like yes like even if you say like we're doing a blackout to the press uh, it's performative. It's, it's very perf- right. that's performative mm-hmm. in itself. Uh, that might be that's like the equivalent of uh, in our era, like dudes writing letters to hardcore to explain why they are dropping out of hardcore, or stopping to be straight edge. Shot fired, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking of another one. Did John Lacroix do that from Ten Yard Fight too? Oh, did he really? <laughs> I think he did at one point. 
it always I would just be like it'd be pretty cool if you just like who uh, copied are you? It, co- yeah, copied, just copied copy Duncan Jesus name <laughs> to whom it may be concerned ditto uh, John Barlow <laughs> yeah. um, but I, even that I would always just be like or just stop going to shows I don't know like you don't have to yeah. like make a press release like that's your bag to deal with and not you know and and so it's performative in its own way, but like obviously it's performative to play on, even though they said they didn't enjoy it. But like the Jubilee ship, like mm-hmm. like for God save the Queen in front of the pet, like it's just like I, you know, I, I both also get. I'll give them to that's like at that age. Not that we ever had to do anything of that level, but there are certainly a couple things I did when Panthers was on Vice that I was just like, eh, I don't know if I really wanted to do that, but eh, I'll just roll it out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they asked us to, and while I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, eh, this seems like a bad idea, but yeah, what are you gonna do? The Jubilee, let's like, the Jubilee thing is is interesting mm-hmm. um, because that's where John Lydon says, "You ever feel trapped?" That's which is a rehearsal is. for. You ever feel like you ever feel trapped? I don't like the syllables on that. Cheated. I can maybe pitch out a bit more. (laughs) But the 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 interesting thing there, besides that, is I I wasn't sure why they felt so trapped, or what was what what they like. Was it that it, it almost feels like they realized that was a bad idea in some way, but I didn't realize what was the bad idea component. It could have been that. Like, it, honest, like that's maybe the part of it of, like, where I'm like, maybe I can give some uh, sympathy to them of, like, uh, you know, but on a much lower level when you're, like, playing some weird show and you're just like, I don't know if this was the right idea. Maybe I should have played that house show instead. Whatever it is. Um, uh yeah, I, I maybe it's because I, I, I do also kind of throughout had to keep being like, oh, yeah, they're pretty young. Like, yeah, you I know, mean, they're very like, young when you think about, you know, I mean, I feel like we come back to your story, Jeff. But, you know, you had been in you'd already toured and been in bands before that trajectory happened. So yes. it wasn't sort of like, you know, the first rodeo for you. Whereas like these guys are very yeah. young. It's their and first rodeo. Their, their first rodeo. And their rise to sort of stardom was so quick. Yeah. They weren't a band for very long, but I, you know, it also, again, doesn't give, we don't truly have Malcolm's voice there. So I wonder if like his management was coming into play with those things where it was just like, Oh, like this, maybe this isn't feeling Mm. like our band and they're, maybe they were split at that point. So you're saying you want to watch great rock and roll swindle? I think we have Malcolm's voice. Sounds like it. But I think it. are you saying Malcolm's? But you're saying Malcolm's voice in that scene, right? So like maybe the reason that they didn't want to do that. Sh- yes, yes. Tying yes. what you both you guys are saying is like they didn't want to do that show because it was Malcolm's idea, maybe, yeah. rather than a show that they would naturally book, which is makes sense, but also somewhat confusing because the whole point, if if like they are a reactionary band and like they kind of like make their hay on just like disrupting things was that show maybe too on brand then little on the nose it's too on the nose right like it just seems so corny yeah i mean i think that's the part of it maybe that's it's like but also even us saying they're reactionary like john lydon's reactionary yeah he's a react Sid vicious is a drunk and a a junkie steve jones is just fucking wants to play 
and Paul yeah. Cook. Like, they just kind of want... And I do think that's the part... I mean, that's... I guess that's the part of it. It's like, why are they there is like... They they all are there for different reasons at that point, which is also why do you ever feel feel like even Cheetah is going to happen? They're going to break up after that tour. because, like, they're all... Uh, if there was a unit, has probably moved past each other. Yeah, because, I mean, even in that scene... Steve Jones was like, I'm with Mel. I was with Malcolm at that moment. Right. The thing I'm thinking now is like, was the Malcolm McLaren, did, did the Malcolm McLaren, John Lydon beef revolve around how serious to take your antisocial behavior? Right. Because McLaren wants to, wants to sell product. Yeah. And John Lydon seems like he has got this sort of like reactionary idealism where he's like, I'm committed to this kind of reactionary above selling units. Right. And Malcolm yeah, like, McLaren like, had all these vice guide to do's and don'ts he had to push. <laughs> yeah, and like you, like you see it, like at that last scene when they're um, no when they, when he's singing "No Fun" in in San Francisco, right? Like there's a glee in him knowing that they're playing. It, yeah. it, it's like yeah. it's the most kind of like "fuck you" smile on his face. Yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I can't that, remember if it's if it's in here or because I watched another. I watched an interview with Steve Jones. Uh, where he was—he didn't go in deep, but he was talking about the split, and he was saying, you know, he went with Malcolm. Mm. But he was saying, in hindsight, you know, maybe going with Johnny would have been the better move because maybe they would have had another album. Um, That's here, but I, you know, I think to both your points, like I think, given the age and thinking about longevity you're like okay do i want the guy who's off the rails or this one guy who seems you know he's managing bands he's already managed another band he seems to have a shit together you know maybe that's a route i'm gonna go one of the things that's interesting that i that i enjoyed hearing john lyden talk about in this movie was he talked about creativity a lot Mm -hmm. um like and in a way that was like oh you're like you know like you're an art school drama kid. Like he had yeah. that kind of reverence for creativity. Yes. Um, and he also had a reverence for the concept of, or the notion of culture, mm-hmm. you know, and that like, if, if punk was anything in a positive terms, it was creativity, mm-hmm. it was self-expression. Right. And it was, um, yeah, creative, creativity, self-expression, these kinds of things. And that was, that was the culture of punk. And I thought that's that I like that framing. Mm-hmm. Because even if, and I mean, it kind of comes off, you can even see it through it, a lot of that, what he's reacting to is, um, is like, you know, meningitis right. and just like, the, you know, the fucked up environment he describes in, in London at the time right. when the Sex Pistols were mm-hmm. coming out. Um, I, 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 like, I like that he, I mean, you, I think Jeff and I, you, you and I have talked about this. I like that he focuses more on the... Um, socio-political climate of the UK mm-hmm. than he does his own personal experience with meningitis. Right. Because the former is relatable, you know, and is shared. Like, other people were experiencing that. So, it it's, like, you know, um, everybody, you know, everyone has their childhood trauma if they have it, which they all do. It's how deep and... and, and but, like, it's where you go with that and then the things that you focus on in the moment. Right. Like, if, if his whole thing was when he was, like, describing why the Sex Pistols emerged, he was like, when I was 12, like, someone else was talking about him having meningitis. He didn't bring that up. Right, right. You know, and he was asked about mm-hmm. it. But it was, it was, 
And but like if that was given as the justification or the kind of explanation for why the Sex Pistols existed, it would be far less relatable, right. you know. But the fact that he points to this this shared social trauma mm-hmm. of a dysfunctional society, I don't know. Like that to me is like it's not complete. It's it's not completely exp- it's not completely explanatory, but it's sufficient, right? So like, and at the very least, maybe if he's even not saying it, that the. Uh, social trauma he is talking about is coming out of a collective uh, trauma that each individual person is sharing or experience their thing. So it's like whatever everyone else's meningitis was is what got us to to the fucking garbage strikes and this and and that that old man who's yelling where he's just like, (laughs) I'm not racist, but also I'm I'm very racist and like, oh, no. I said that in front of a black woman, but I'm going to double down now. Like, I was like, that guy is like every fucking conservative Trump support where it's just like, ooh, you caught me. Uh, You know what? Fuck it. Let me just go. I got to go. I got to go for it, baby. (laughs) But also, it's not my fault. It's the government that made me. Yeah, yeah. Is that the same thing? No, 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 no. I take no personal responsibility of this, in this choice that I am making currently. yeah, I, 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 uh, I think it's yeah. inter. I think I think it's important. Those personal traumas are what attunes you to the collective trauma. Yeah, because the people who don't acknowledge their own trauma can never be attuned to the collective trauma. But no, like, then you just become this people's like, why would I go to therapy? I can just talk to my friends. And then you're like, you don't yeah. ever talk to your friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like you're talking from experience. But yeah. <laughs> the. I remember when I picked oh when I picked the the, the Hanshan seven inch, mm-hmm. I'm like scramsley, damn! Like that was the first <laughs> thing I thought. Like, and I just shortened. And I, sh- I mean, I, I, wait, I, so I mean, this was going to you... be a, this was going to be a standalone episode, but yeah, I'm sorry, I, I just fucking revealed it. Uh, I, <laughs> the Hanshan twin episode. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Sid Vicious invented pogoing, and you invented scrams. I invented the term uh, scrams. Okay. It was it was a gesticulation I made. It was. It's an abbreviation for an gesticulation I made when I first heard the handshake. Yeah, yeah. Very good. One of my favorites. I mean, that's pretty cool. You invented scrams. Pete invented the term paperback hardcore. I mean, it all Mm -hmm. worked out. I mean, (laughs) and Pete just. I mean, Pete's got so much. He turns me on to new bands all the time. Like (laughs) big big brains. Big big brains. brains. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, do we have anything else about the socks pistols? That'll, that'll be the title. All right. Ratings. Okay. Oh, we're recording. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Back at it. Ah. Rodney on the rock. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to rate this movie and we're going to do it um, in a very punky way on a, in a very punky scale. Punk AF. Um, punk AF. And um, all you old heads... Old ducks till death heads know how we do this. Um, and in true punk fashion, this week, I'm going to do it. In this week, I'm going to do this in true punk fashion where I'm not going to explain it and I'm going to ask the new people to catch up. Um, you don't want me to give right. it a long explanation? Do you want to give it a long explanation? You want to meander for a while? It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Already doing it. Um, so, Pete, did you want to introduce these things or do you want me to do it? I'm going to give it to you because I don't. Know that I have them all. Okay. 
it's a good reason. Okay, so here we are. I could is, guess. I could guess, but is the filth and the fury as punk as uh, being inflated in a rubber suit? Is the filth and the fury as punk as falling asleep during an interview? We didn't actually get to talk about yeah, we that. Did. That was um, we actually didn't talk about Sid Vicious at all, which was pretty wild. Yeah. But um, I mean, patted our patted our backs. He's got yeah. enough screen time. We yeah. feel for you, Sid. I don't know. I'm so, Straight excited. edge in your face. I thought um, Jeff was going to come in real hard against Sid Vicious based on his texting today. but Yeah. I thought you were going to come in real hard against this movie and against the Sex Pistols. I like to keep you on your toes. Okay. Or is this movie as um, as punk as Shake the Shakespeare intercuts? Not the Shakespearean intercuts because a Shakespearean <laughs> intercut would suggest that there's some Shakespearean quality to the intercuts. But the intercuts are actually... Shakespeare. Um, or is this movie as punk as Dave Grohl? Pete, what do you got? Pete, you go yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going... It's another silent episode from Pete. <laughs> I'm going uh, as punk as the rubber suit. I was waiting for a response. Everyone's quiet. I'm going to punk as rubber suit one. Because. Yeah. How's, this? How's that? You like that reaction? Because. Hold on. I'm pulling the rope here. Let's go. I think, I I thought, think for. I thought you glitched yeah. out. I think Pete's first. I should we sometimes just stand there like. <laughs> <laughs> I think punk is rubber suit because. Buzzkill. Uh, <laughs> Um, because I think there's elements within this when we think about Johnny Rotten that uh, that are still behind the mask. We don't know truly who he is. Mm. I also think as we talked about this documentary, it came uh, clear that Jeff did not see that that could have been Malcolm McLaren. Um, mm. That's where I'm going. Wow. Well done. Wow. Can I go? Can I go? I mean, can I go? go? Can you go? <laughs> I mean, can I please, go? Please. Please. <laughs> after you. Uh, I'm going to rate this punk AF uh, movie as punk as... <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can I, can I go? Actually, change my mind. Can I go? <laughs> <laughs> as punk as... I'm going rubber suit, too. Wow. Yeah, because... Uh, the, the, the presence of Malcolm McLaren is always there. Uh, this movie is a reaction to Malcolm McLaren. Uh, 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 he Mm -hmm. is a force, uh, that you can't turn your eyes away from, uh, that is, uh, still filling the air that you breathe in a rubber suit. Uh, but... Uh, uh, still after all these years, uh, the, the kind of weight of him, but also the weight of the mythology is so strong that it is still, even though there are moments of truth, it's hard to kind of get to the truth, uh, in this world that is the sex pistols. So at a certain point, we don't even know who the sex pistols are anymore. And maybe we don't even know that that is supposed to represent Malcolm McLaren the whole time. 
and that I'm not wrong. That I'm not wrong. That I'm not wrong. That I didn't piece that together. Uh, you know, so I, I think it was very well done that they made it. Like, is it? Is he? Isn't he? Is it not even a concept we would consider? Uh, so yeah, I think that's why it's got to be rubber suit for me. Very nice. I like it. I'm going to go with the Shakespeare intercut Ooh. because we we didn't we didn't talk about all the ways that we talked about the ways that John Lydon is interesting, complicated um, that that appear in this movie that you know articul- articulated in this movie, but so much stuff um, and it, and it's and it's substantial. Uh, there's so many things in addition to that, like outside of this movie, and we'll probably touch, come back to them with the PIL documentary. But like, he is a Shakespearean character, and he is Richard the uh, Third in many ways. So uh, I really think, yeah, like oh, that's all a long way of saying that I really like this movie. L- liked it better than I thought I did. Um, more interested in John Lydon than I thought I uh, I would be on rewatch. So um, yeah. You're a big Shakespeare head too. I'm a Shakespeare head. <laughs> I mean, I you know what? I think if kids learned Shakespeare in school, like they did, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s, and like every year until like two years ago, like <laughs> we wouldn't have had Trump. Honestly, yeah. we would not have had Trump. You know, Matt. You know who the original rapper was? <laughs> Johnny S. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny is oh, a little tired. As soon as I said Johnny, I was like William Jeff. I don't want to hear like... about Johnny. Yes, Punk <laughs> in Africa. Great episode. You should listen to it if you Check have it. it. Out. Speaking of, it's uh, pretty quick. Speaking of uh, odd choices for documentaries that we watch. <laughs> I think it's we're a at Pete's pick. It's a Pete's pick. <laughs> oh, it's a Pete's yeah, pick. Yeah, it's a Pete's pick. We we are okay. going to be traveling. That's well, already I'm worried <laughs> Not very now. far. Okay, not too far. Jesus. Not too far from where Matt is. Ooh, we're hold on. what? Oh, not what I thought. Okay, not too far from. I thought where it was going to be Los Punks. Is no, no Los Punks. We're going to be going to at least the starting point to Ann Arbor, Michigan. I mean, learning about the Stooges. Gimme oh. Danger. Gimme Danger. Gimme this- Danger. Ooh, Jim Jarmusch. Oh, and this is a Jarmusch, too. The thing that kept me from watching oh. it. Oh, oh wow. A Jim Jarmusch jo- a, yeah. a Jarmusch joint. We got huh? a Jim Jarmusch joint? Triple J? Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know you had issues with him. <laughs> I mean, I... Yeah. I do. I don't have issues with him. I just... I don't enjoy his movies. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm generally a fan, but... All right, so neither of you have seen this. No. no. Neither have I. So. No. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, that means we're going to see the Stooges on our TVs. And until next <laughs> week, <laughs> I'm Jeff Garlock up the punks. I'm Pete Tetlin. I am an antichrist. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no.